Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Straight ahead this week on The Insiders, as we head to the end of the year, you might already be thinking about tax time for next year. Well, this week we examine a new statewide plan to change the tax system. Plus, another Iowan is not thinking as much about taxes. Instead, she is focused on Iowa Senator Joni Ernst. We meet Kimberly Graham to hear why she believes that she should be the Democrat to have the chance to take on Senator Ernst in next year's election. And in the Insider's Quick Six, road trip. We'll get the Democrats' take on that new plan that could take the Iowa caucuses on the road. From your local election headquarters, this is The Insiders with Dave Price. Welcome to The Insiders. Raise taxes in one area to lower taxes someplace else. That is at the core of a new plan by the conservative think tank group Tax Education Foundation Iowa. The idea is that those changes would then fuel more overall economic growth in our state. With us to talk about it this week is Walt Rogers. You probably remember him. He used to be a former state representative from Cedar Falls. Now he is the group's deputy director. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. We haven't had you on in this capacity, so uh, yeah, congrats I'm on the new to job. Be here. All right, let's talk taxes here. And you have yep. assured me you're going to make this interesting and not <laughs> too into the weeds here. Yeah. But explain how, in your mind, you could, or we could as a state, increase sales taxes which would benefit by cutting taxes elsewhere. How do people at home come out ahead? Well, uh, it's interesting because I think legislators are starting to talk about this very thing. Uh, recently, uh, two leaders in the Iowa legislature, Senator Whitver and Representative Winchettle, both were at a Des Moines event, and they were talking about what needs to happen this next session, and both of them said, we want to lower income tax rates. And uh, so my organization, Tax Education Foundation, we work uh, for for that, and uh, one of our goals is to help every Amer every Iowan achieve the American dream, and so part of that, as we believe, is lowering tax rates. And so these legislators know that Iowa is in competition with every other state in in the United States, looking for companies, looking for jobs, looking and the for corporate rate is one of the highest. In exactly, the and so states like uh, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, they're all looking at their income tax rates and corporate rates right now. So. Uh, what we're looking at is we're, we're putting out a report that talks about four different scenarios. And the scenarios all have this idea of lowering income tax rates, lowering corporate rates. They all have uh, this element of raising the sales tax at the same time. And so every scenario that we put out uh, is, is uh, revenue neutral, meaning that legislators say that, uh, basically meaning that it, no money is going to be taken away from the budget. And so it's a it's a it's a good program. But when you um, start talking revenue neutral, as you know, typically in most of these runs, you will look at it depends where you are on the income scale. 
because it could raise taxes for some, lower for others, right? Well, actually, we're looking at big picture. We're talking about the state budget is going to have the same amount of dollars. And actually, in every scenario, they'll have more dollars. So that's what we're talking about, the same dollars coming in for the budget. Because that's important as far as making sure we're keeping up with the services that we provide in the state of Iowa. And at the same time, as you let off, uh, when you lower tax rates and you lower income and corporate rates, that's uh, an economic boon for a state. That's why people across the country are looking at states and they're saying, what are their tax rates? We're not going to go to a state unless it's a state that has lower rates for, our, uh, for income and corporations. So um, that's why we wanted to take all these good things that we did in 2018, the reform, uh, and actually implement some of them right away. And that's what some of the, the scenarios are talking about. What's more important uh, in this scenario, lowering corporate taxes or lowering individual taxes? I think both of them is very important because, you know, as, as businesses, you're looking at the corporate rate when you're coming in, and then you're looking at the income uh, rates for all your employees at the same time. So, uh, you know, high-dollar employees are looking at income rates, so they're trying to decide, do I want to move to this state, especially the border states? Uh, and then corporations are looking at uh, low tax rates uh, across the board at every state across the country. So um, that's why we want, as a state, want to be more competitive. If you are a median household in our state, you're roughly making 50-something thousand dollars. How do you fare in this plan if uh, you're seeing your sales taxes go up? Yeah, uh, you're going to fare uh, better off. I don't know the exact numbers as far as going into each one of the plans. Um, I do know... Uh, the big picture as far as each each of the scenarios and um, one of the things that uh, we don't so even will you go into one of those scenarios at least just to give us yeah. kind of a kind yeah of one idea. of the scenarios is uh, the first one basically it's uh, it's lowering the income and the uh, corporate rate um, it's uh, taking the, night, the 2018 reforms and implementing them right away and then it does um, increase the sales tax one cent and then it also broadens the sales tax base now one of the things that uh, we can also do is broaden so our more stuff gets taxed yes like what um, like for instance um, attorney's fees don't get taxed in the state of Iowa engineering fees uh, you know that private uh, uh, air air uh, flights in the state don't get taxed um, uh, lobbyists at the Capitol don't don't get taxed on sales tax so these are things that we could broaden our sales tax base at the same time lowering income tax rates and that was weird for you to talk about you're conservative you're not a tax guy yeah but to make the <laughs> math work and to make this whole puzzle piece work you're talking about hey we we should be taxing this and we haven't in the past well, we're gonna have to raise them here to lower here is that weird for you to think about well it's kind of it's, you know as i got into this job i got more into looking at taxes and i'm kind of excited about it because it does spur economic growth. You realize you just said you're excited about taxes. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> well, but look at it this way. Um, you know, I don't even know if WHO sponsors the Des Moines Marathon. Uh, but we don't. The, but. but when you enter the Des Moines Marathon, you've got to pay your registration sure. fee. So that's like, a sale, that's like a user fee. You, you pay for the marathon. Well, just imagine uh, when the, the top five finishers, they win the race. At the end of the race, they say, well, we're not going to give you your winnings. Uh, we're going to take your, your, your share of the winnings and pay for the marathon. Well, you just, you just tax their productivity. You just tax them for being good at what they do. Well, that's what income tax and corporate taxes do to companies that are, are doing a good job. They're taxing their productivity. So those runners are going to go, well, I'm going to go run in the Omaha Marathon next year. I'm not coming to the Des Moines Marathon. That's what we're talking about. Uh, a sales tax is something that is a broad use tax that is better economically, it's a more stable tax, uh, and it's more reliable. Now again, 
if you look at the four scenarios that we have in there, you could still lower income and corporate rates without even raising the sales tax if you broaden the sales tax base. So our four scenarios are scenarios that just get the legislature started. They don't have to do one of these scenarios. They can do a combination of several things. If you are in a lower income bracket, should you be nervous about this? No, because um, what lowering income and, and, and corporate rates do is, is increase the number of uh, employers that are coming to our state. They're actually raising wages. So I would think somebody who is at middle to lower income would rather see their wages go up and not worry about one cent in a sales tax to, to have to pay out. Is there a, the way you do these runs here, will there be a lag? Before, how long before you lower the rates and before sure, the economic I mean, side? Yeah, there's, there's always a lag, but actually within the first year, we see uh, in, in every scenario, we see actual revenue growth in every scenario. And then there's the dynamic, you talk about that dynamic growth, there is a lag there, and some of that growth is up, you know, in $240 million. In the, in the most aggressive scenario, we're looking at a middle in, income family uh, getting $1,200 more a year. All right, Walt Rogers, appreciate the time. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you, Dave. All right, when we come back here, Obviously, we've had a historic week here when we've talked about what's happened in Washington, D.C. with the impeachment, right? Donald Trump became the third president in American history to get impeached. We'll see how the talk of impeachment has changed with our group of undecided Iowans who we've been following here, but also hear some of them, how they now have a fear about what's happened as they look ahead to 2020. We'll hear from that next. The impeachment of President Donald Trump has impacted our group of undecided Iowans we've been following for the last couple of months here. These are the nine Iowans. They've already planned to support a Democrat instead of the president. So they're looking ahead to the Iowa caucuses. When we talked the first time, they weren't really as focused on impeachment. But with all the coverage of impeachment, they say they're now paying far more attention. Well, I think we're all, all affected by the impeachment that's probably... Right a dead issue in many ways. I, I was very impressed by non-candidates speaking on the various talk shows justifying the inquiry that was made, and it was very, very persuasive. But I think we all recognized probably it's going to drop dead in the Senate, isn't it? The most that it's going to happen is it's going to put an asterisk, an asterisk next to his name, mm -hmm. which should be. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like him who was a complete narcissist, that's that's probably as, as big a punch as we could give him, is that for history he will be impeached. It doesn't affect my decision in terms of my preference for, for a candidate. However, I had not considered the possibility just in terms of all of the, the game playing, the um, game theory that's going on or that goes on in politics. Um, I had never really considered, at least at our, at, our pri at our first meeting, that the impeachment of Donald Trump could benefit or behoove him with the victim mentality that he kind of mm -hmm. goes on full display with that is his, you know, that's his feathers, that, that's, his his, that's his shtick. And it had only, that's only, that was only positive to me this past weekend when I actually met and shook Andrew Yang's hand. Um, it was something that came up in a, in a uh, public appearance that he made um, stating that, you know, it's like, could, could that um, actually benefit or behoove him? You know, and that's concerning to me that, um, that maybe it could. I was also reading about that. I was reading things about Nancy Pelosi. And so that concerns me. I hadn't even thought that far. Yeah, go for it, go for it, until I realized, oh my gosh, could that actually benefit him? Could that actually make him 
um, more likely to be reelected. That thought has been in my mind for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this whole, you know, it's a liberal witch hunt and this, that, and the other. And, you know, especially when it doesn't pass the Senate, then it's like, you know, it's just him kind of saying, you know, well, look what they tried to do, but they didn't really succeed. And that's because it's all a bunch of, you know, baloney and this, that, and the other. And, and so, you know, I don't know if it necessarily will be the tipping point, but it definitely um, factors into things a little bit. All right, so a little change of thought on there. Now, later next year, of course, the deciders might be out there picking a Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate. One of those options joins us for the first time on The Insiders. Kimberly Graham, an attorney from Des Moines. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, so in that little exchange here, one of the deciders was talking about looking at um, impeachment, right? Mm -hmm. And could this end up actually being a bad thing and pushing President Trump's people to show up? So from the beginning here, was it right to go after impeachment, do you think, of the president? How do you look at this? Well, um, so for starters, I've been an attorney for kids here in Iowa for the last 20 years and for parents in juvenile court. So when I became an attorney, I had to take an oath to uphold the Constitution of Iowa and the Constitution of the United States. Um, not unlike the oath I would take if I became a United States Senator, I would take an oath to uphold the United States Constitution. I believe that given all of the evidence, I believe that our representatives here in Iowa that voted to impeach made the right decision. There appears from what I've read to be ample evidence to do that. And I don't think it's a matter of um, politics. It's, it's a matter of if there are violations of the Constitution that rise to that level, then that's the procedure that our founders laid out and we need to follow that through. Our group has struggled in a sense that and they're talking primarily about presidential candidates, but in their mind, they're not going to support the president anyway, and they would rather ha not have candidates come into town holding rallies, talking about impeachment and the president, all that kind of stuff. When you're out there campaigning, how do you address this, and what do you talk about? Right. So we've been to 55 of our 99 counties so far, um, and, you know, honestly, that's not, that's not something that people really ask me about. People are talking about... Uh, healthcare, they're talking about the RFS, they're talking about rural, rural communities and how we can have those communities be places where people can thrive. They're concerned about rural hospital closures on the horizon, perhaps. 18% uh, of Iowa's rural hospitals are in some danger of closing. Uh, those are the kind of concerns. Uh, and healthcare, 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 I would say, is the biggest. You kind of poured out some personal um, struggles, if you want to call it that, in your student debt, like you did a Facebook post about this, right? So we have a ton of student debt. I do. <laughs> As you well know, your party and frankly the whole country is kind of going through this deba debate about what do we do about this? You believe that we should do tuition-free college, right? I and, believe we and should. And forgive debt. I believe we should have debt-free college. Exactly how that's going to end up playing out, I don't know. But what I what I believe is that in the wealthiest nation on earth that we should not be sending young people out from a trade school or out from a college with more debt than they came into school with. I don't think that serves much purpose. Um, and furthermore, what's currently happened with student loan debt in this country is that it really, in, in some cases with certain student loan repayment programs, really is loan sharking. It's like loan sharking. It's where you pay these payments that they approve you to pay based on your income if you can't make the larger payment. Um, and then over time, the interest accrues and capitalizes and you end up owing many times more after 10 or 20 or 30 years of repayment than you owed when you left school. So what do you owe right now? And that's just not right. Uh, I don't know right now, a couple months ago it was $235,000. And you borrowed like 80? I borrowed 80,000 right? between both undergraduate and law school. My, 
my parents, uh, my mom dropped out of high school to have me, and my family didn't, you know, didn't have the money to put me through school. So I've been working since I was 14. Um, I worked all through school, but Drake Law School is a good school, and it's very expensive. <laughs> so to so, loans. so for those, sorry to interrupt you. For no. those um, who aren't sure if taxpayers should pay off existing student loans, mm -hmm. what do you say to them? Yeah, and I, I, I can't say that I necessarily agree that taxpayers should pay off people's student loans. I, okay. I don't think that's really the... I don't think that's really the uh, the way to see it. Um, there's a couple of ways to look at that. You know, I personally have absolutely zero problem paying back the $80,000 I borrowed. I intended to pay that back. I borrowed it knowing I would pay it back, and I will pay it back. In fact, I think I've almost paid it back now after 20 years of repayments. But what I don't think is okay and what is not fair is for these private corporations, which Sally Mae, Navient are private corporations. Sometimes people mistakenly think they're somehow the government, they're not, they're private corporations, for them to be making money hand over fist on the backs of young people in this country whose parents can't afford to write checks to send them to school, to trade schools or colleges, that's not okay. Um, you have about a minute and a half left in the segment. You do not have the national democratic endorsements that like one of your opponents does. Correct. Uh, how do you run against that? Oh, well, you run against that the way that you should run in Iowa. You go everywhere all the time. You travel to all 99 counties over and over and over again. But does it make you mad? Is it fair? Is the system right? Um, I don't find it horribly in keeping with the spirit of democracy when there's really heavy thumbs on the scales that early in a race. Um, I think three days after somebody announces is a little early for people to be to be weighing in on that. I think people should get out there, let us all start running, see who gains some traction, and then maybe six months, eight months later, if, if there appears to be somebody who's really doing it right uh, and listening to Iowans in all 99 counties and doing their work, then, then maybe endorsement like that is appropriate, but I don't think it's necessarily appropriate earlier than that. Okay, if you can hang tight, we'll come back to you here sure. at the end. When we come back first, though, we want to talk about some new college graduates who could help lessen a national nursing shortage. We'll hear from them next. If you added the populations of Davenport, Sioux City, and Johnston, you still would not find enough people to solve the national shortage of nurses. A report from Georgetown University shows this country will be 200,000 nurses short in 2020. Iowa State University just graduated its first class of students in its new Bachelors of Nursing program. Well, I think when I started out as a nurse um, and getting my RN two years ago, I just kind of decided I wanted to do it. I had another degree and I was like, I'm going to go be a nurse today. And so that's what I started school for. And I didn't really know the career path that I was headed. But this program has opened up so many doors to opportunities in the nursing profession and has just made me a better person inside and as a nurse so it's been amazing. As a nurse you wear so many different hats you know you act as a social worker as someone that helps them through the grieving process you're more than someone that's just there to administer medications to a person laying in a bed you know you're looking at the person as a whole and that's kind of what your BSN teaches you is that that piece of being a nurse is looking at the patient holistically as a whole so it kind of takes you back and you're not just doing tasks you know you're really taking care of that person which when you said it helps with med errors and it decreases mortality rates. It's because your, I feel like your viewpoint on the patient and how you're really seeing their care changes. You know, you're not just looking at numbers and medications, you're, you're seeing the big picture. And I think it just overall makes you a better nurse to be bachelor prepared um, and 
I think patients see that too. Up next, an endorsement and wind worries. All next is U.S. Senate candidate Kimberly Graham returns for the Insider's Quick Six. Graham's back for the Insider's Quick Six. Question one, these satellite caucuses the Iowa Democratic Party is now trying for next year, will that in the end increase accessibility to the caucuses? Oh, yes, I believe it will. I hope so. Question <laughs> two, will you publicly endorse a presidential candidate before the caucuses? No. Question three, do you have any concerns like a few of our communities do right now about wind turbines? Uh, do you mean if they cause illness, that kind of thing? That's one concern. I don't have that concern. No, I don't, I don't have that Any concern. other environmental concerns or are you good with them? Um, overall, I believe that the benefits vastly outweigh the, any drawbacks. Uh, question four, would you eliminate, as some has pr have proposed, ICE altogether because of the way it's been rounding up uh, undocumented immigrants. I believe that um, there was a different way that agency was structured, uh, not in the very distant past, and I believe that that was a better way to structure it, which I, I believe would would not would eliminate the need for ICE, let's put it that way. Okay, question five, whose taxes would go up if you had your way and made it to the U.S. Senate? Oh, that's easy. Um, actually, middle income and lower income taxes would go down and the taxes would vastly increase on billionaires and multi-multi-millionaires in this country. All right, we always end with a prediction. <laughs> so what's your prediction? My prediction is that you're going to continue to collect ties well into the future, as you've stated on your bio. Are you still collecting ties? I do. I have a little problem. That's true. Way to do your research on me. Thanks. Man. Hey, we have a couple seconds left here. How do you go about this as a rookie, a newbie, a first-time candidate? Right. You know, so I mentioned earlier for the last 20 years I've been an attorney for abused kids here in the Iowa courts and for parents in the juvenile court system. And, the, and I've also been a mediator. And I've mediated a lot of people's divorces as well. And the things that you learn, the skills you learn being a mediator is you learn how to listen really carefully. And even more than that, you learn how to be quiet. You learn how to ask a question and say nothing more. And that is where you often find the answers. So I think you also learn to advocate for people who need advocacy. So I think listening, standing up and fighting for people are skills that I've learned as an attorney and a mediator for 20 years, and those are the very same skills that I think are going to make and made a good U.S. Senator with Tom Harkin and would make a good U.S. Senator, would make me a good U.S. Senator, listening and standing up and fighting for people. We have 20 seconds left. How do you balance? You still work, right? I do. I've pulled my schedule back as far as I possibly can and still still survive myself financially. A lot of people don't know that candidates don't get any money when they're running. Right. Right. <laughs> Your staff does, you don't, but <laughs> right. which is as you know as it should be. But um, I've pulled my schedule back. I work about 15 hours a week for for pay, and then about another 50, 60 hours a week on the campaign. All right, Kimberly Graham, <laughs> candidate for U.S. Senate. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Safe I appreciate travels it. And Merry Christmas. Thanks you too. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week for the Insiders. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.